Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10 is our text this morning. Let me read that as we begin. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord this morning. So I want to begin with a question, and this really only will benefit or help those in the room, but those of you at home, hopefully you'll enjoy this. Here in the room, if you would be willing to admit it, better than you admitted listening to Christmas music, but if you would be willing to admit it, has anyone here in the last year run out of gas in their vehicle as they were going down the road? Anybody not been able to make it home because they ran out of gas in their vehicle? Any takers? Any takers? We have one up here. Daryl, I need your help, brother, if you can come help me. We have a gift card for you from Casey's, our friend down the road, a gas gift card. Daryl, can you come help me and deliver this gift card to the young lady up there in the, uh, in the stadium seating? So next time, hopefully, she will not be able to run out of gas. My friend, Wendell, who's a pastor over in Yukon, he did a sermon recently where he talked about running out of gas and the way that that parallels to our own life. The fact that many of us in life are on the verge of running out of gas. And Wendell gave several reasons why we run out of gas. We run out of gas because we don't start the day with a full tank. Think about how that's true with your car, but it's also true with your life. Number two, we're too busy to stop and refuel. How many of us run out of gas during the day because we don't stop and refuel? We're distracted and we don't watch the gauges on our car. Now my gas gauge and my trailblazer doesn't work anyway, so I have to remember to hit the odometer button every time I fill up or uh, I, I don't make it. Number four, We are unaware of hidden leaks that are draining us. True for your car, true in your life. Number five, we live with rapid acceleration and hurry. The faster I drive and the faster I live, the faster I run out of gas. And number six, we're overloaded. The more I carry, the sooner I run out of gas. Friends, we live in a world where a lot of people are tired. A lot of people are exhausted, and a lot of people, and I think we could carry this just a step further, a lot of churches might be on the verge of running out of gas. And God's word to us this morning is very simple and very clear. Keep going. That we would not back away that we would not give up, that we would not live weary, exhausted lives, but that we would be so filled with the Spirit of God that we would not give up, that we would keep going. And these verses this morning unfold that in three ways for us. Verse six, let the one who has taught the word share all good things 
with the one who teaches. Now you might say, Owen, is that verse going to be as awkward to preach as I think it is for you? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it is going to be a little bit awkward to speak about this. But, but it's easier when we understand the role that this verse is playing here. In verse 5, which is not going to show up on the screen, but if you've got access to your phone or your, your copy in front of you, verse 5 said, for each person will have to bear his own load. It seems that some people were hearing this idea of each person needs to bear his own load, and they were transferring that onto the teachers in the church, the leaders in the church, and saying, well, they need to bear their own load. We're not going to give to them. We're not going to pay for them. They're just going to have to, and Paul says, whoa, 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 time out. That's not what I intended when I said each will have to bear his own load, because there's a mutual care here that those who are taught the word would turn around and share all good things with those who teach. Now, in Oklahoma, it's not hard to get people fired up when you start talking about teacher pay. And, and rightfully so. That's a topic that gets all of us going is teacher pay. There's nothing new under the sun. Teacher pay was controversial in the ancient world during the time that the Bible was written. Teachers primarily were paid in four different ways. They were paid through fees or tuition that the student would pay. The teacher was paid because there was a wealthy donor in the area that said, I'm going to make sure these teachers are paid so the kids can go to school. Number three, the teachers did manual labor. They picked up side jobs. My parents were school teachers. We always had side jobs growing up because of being, being teachers. Number four, they begged. <laughs> so, uh, again, nothing new under the sun. What does it look like for teachers to be paid? At the end of the day, sometimes you just have to beg. Paul is writing in a context where he is speaking to a church about how they care for one another. And there are multiple times in Paul's ministry where he wants to make sure that greed does not cause confusion about the gospel. So multiple times, Paul will talk about not taking money as he goes first into a town because he doesn't want to cause confusion about the task of the mission. But in Jesus' teaching and in Paul's teaching, there are also multiple times that they talk about the importance of the church supporting those who teach, supporting those who are lead. So you have that piece of the puzzle going on right here. Here's the other thing about Galatians and why this is so important. Remember, in Galatians, there's a lot of tension about what is being taught or what should be taught. Should we teach circumcision is required for salvation? Should we teach that Gentiles have to keep the Jewish law? There's a lot of tension here. And almost certainly what is happening is some people in the church are saying, that teacher is not teaching what I want them to teach, so I'm not going to give. I'm not going to contribute to that because it doesn't match up with what I want them to teach. And man, there's still that danger in the 21st century that people who teach the word of God would only say what the people in the audience or the congregation want them to say so in order that they will give money. Now we normally think about that for television preaching, televangelist situations, but we have to be careful of that in the local church. So what's God's word to us here in, in this situation? The primary weight falls on those of us who teach and those of us who lead, that we would take that role seriously, that we would not do that in a greedy, overbearing way, but we would do it in a way that our only desire is to serve you with the word of God, to put the word of God in front of you, to equip you, to train you so that you would go and do the work of ministry. So, so the weight falls squarely on, on us and, and on me right now this morning, that we would do that well. 
The flip of that is that if you are receiving the word of God, that if you're being taught those things, that your desire would be to share with, to invest in those who are doing the teaching. That you're not, you don't feel guilted into this. This is something you desire to do, that we share in all good things. That as a church family, we invest in one another. And we do it with a spirit of generosity and a spirit of humility and a spirit of gratitude. And, and we think about, and the wording that is used in this verse, it, it is primarily related to finances, that we share in those things, we share in those finances together, but it's also a word that can be used more broadly than finances. Your response to the leadership, your response to the teaching of the word of God, one of the greatest responses you can give is just to come with a spirit of expectation. Just to come with being engaged, being involved, saying, I wanna be a part. For us, that is a great, great gift to have a church family that says, I wanna be taught the word of God because I wanna put the word of God into action. I'm not here just to listen. I'm not here just to receive. I wanna be taught because I wanted to transform the way that I live. That's how we want to be able to operate as the family of God. So let's not stop sharing with one another. We're not gonna stop, stop teaching and equipping that you would not stop giving and engaging and doing the work of ministry, and we're gonna do that together. Now, next thing, verse seven. Verse seven is a, is a very broad and general proverb that Paul's gonna spin forward in verse eight in a specific way, but verse seven, he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. This is interesting, but just about every time that Paul uses the phrase, do not be deceived in his writings, it has to do with not being deceived about eternal matters. So immediately that phrase keys us into, he's not just talking about the here and now. There's an eternal focus to this that Paul is presenting. He says, do not be deceived about this reality. God is not mocked. What does it mean to mock God? very simply it means not to take his name in vain not to claim his identity not to claim to be full of the spirit and then to live in a way that does not match that to mock God claims to be part of his people and yet to live in a way that has nothing to do with his ways with his truth with his word we essentially if we really wrapped it up it would be closely tied to the idea of hypocrisy that, that we would be mocking God by claiming to worship him and yet not to live for him. And Paul says, what you sow, what you invest in, what you invest in financially, but emotionally, what you invest your energy and your time into, what you give your life to, the way that you live, the way that you sow, that will you also reap. And that's true here in the here and now, but it's especially true eternally. And here's how it's true. It's true in verse eight. Verse eight, Paul says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. How do we sow to the flesh? We invest all of our time, money, energy, efforts, the way that we live, in things that have to do with the here and now. <laughs> if you wanna see specific examples of how you sow to the flesh, you look back in chapter five at verses 19 through 21. 
and there's that list there in 5, 19 through 21, and it will show you what it looks like to sow to the flesh. And Paul says, if you do that, what are you going to get back? What are you going to reap? You're going to reap corruption. That word is crystal clear in this situation, and it has to do with what is passing away. The word corruption is consistently used in the New Testament for things that are temporary, for things that will pass away. And Paul says, if you spend your life investing in, sowing to the flesh, those things will ultimately pass away. What does this sound like to you? It sounds like the Sermon on the Mount. It sounds like Matthew 6, that we are not going to be of those who lay up their treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But what are we going to do? We're going to lay up our treasures in heaven where those things don't happen, which is why you get the second half of the verse. Paul says, instead of sowing to the flesh, the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap what? Every good thing here on earth? No. We'll reap eternal life, that we are investing in things that we cannot see, (laughs) that we are investing our lives in things that go beyond the here and now, that we are going to sow to the Spirit because from the Spirit we will reap eternal life. And so here's what I want to say this morning, Emmaus, and I feel like God is speaking this word to us right now. Let's not give up on investing in eternal kingdom spiritual matters. It is so tempting. And we don't even have to go outside the walls of the church. We just stay right here with ourselves. It is so tempting to only invest in the here and now because it's in front of us, we see it, we feel it, we experience it. As a church family, We need to come together around one another and say we want to invest our time and our energy and our emotions and our finances and our lives in things that matter eternally. Now here's the question, and we only have just a brief moment now to discuss it and then we'll think about it for months to come. How do you sow to the Spirit? How do you do this? If you're trying to think about how do I sow to the Spirit so that we reap eternal life, so we make eternal impact, well, you look at the New Testament and you see where the Spirit of God is at work, and you say, I want to be involved in the same place. Where do we see the Spirit of God at work in the New Testament? He inhabits the prayers and the praises of his people that we sow to the Spirit when we live lives of prayer and we live lives of praise. We sow to the Spirit when our lives are filled up with the Word of God, when we're connected to the church and we have people around us to come and encourage us and build us up in the spirit, with spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. We sow to the spirit when we serve others in Jesus' name and when we speak about the gospel, the good news of Jesus. When you look at the book of Acts, those are the things that the spirit of God empowers. That is where the spirit of God shows up. So how do I sow to the spirit? I do those things in every area of life. It's not just something that happens when the church gathers, though though we learn to do those things when we gather. It's not something that just happens on Sunday. It's God let those things be a part of my life in everything I do. Now here's where we run up against the challenge of not giving up. You could look at that list and and you probably wouldn't say this to my face, though you might be tempted to. You, You could look at that list and say, Owen, that's so basic, and I've been around church a long time, and 
and I know those things, don't you have something else for us to do? I don't. And you know why I don't? Because that is the word of God given to us. That is where we see the spirit of God. When we go outside of the word of God and we chase all these other things to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, we are going away from what he has given us to do. And so if we're not careful, in church, we can get bored with the very things that God has called us to do to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our challenge to one another this morning is we're not going to grow bored and we are not going to give up on those things because we want to invest in eternal kingdom impact. And God empowers to do that, empowers to invest in those ways that your spirit is at work. Number three, look at verse nine. So we share with one another, that was verse six, we invest in eternal spiritual matters, that's verses seven and eight, verse nine. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. What does doing good mean in this verse? Probably the best way to see it is just to back up a little bit in Galatians and see the things that Paul has mentioned. He's talked about restoring one another with gentleness someone who's caught in sin and you go and you restore them in gentleness. He's talked about bearing one another's burdens. He's talked about sharing with one another, caring for one another, continuing to do these things, the fruit of the Spirit. I think that's what Paul is referring to when he says, don't grow weary in doing good. I hate to even ask this question, and this one you don't have to raise your, your hand on, but has there been any time in 2020 that you felt weary and exhausted? <laughs> because I know I sure have. Um, there's a difference between tiredness and weariness. Tiredness, you can usually kick with a good nap, a little time away, a little rest and relaxation. Weariness feels deeper. Weariness feels a little bit heavier. You get a good night's sleep, you get some relaxation, and you don't feel a lot better. You still carry this weight. You still carry this weariness. And as I think pastorally uh, about loving and caring for a church in 2020, can I just be straight up with you? This is the thing that terrifies me the most. This feeling of weariness that I see on people, this feeling of exhaustion. Uh, quarantine, those of you, and my heart goes out to you, those that are watching at home and, and you've told me how badly you want to be here, and. And, and it doesn't make sense, but being at home creates its own form of exhaustion and, and weariness. I'm so tired of being here. I'm so tired of not doing the things that I love to do. I'm so tired of not interacting with the people that I love to interact with. And it, it creates a sense of, of weariness. Information overload also creates weariness. We are in a world in which we experience on a daily basis information overload. And, and I think you can just double the weariness factor when it's political information overload. It, it just creates a weariness and an exhaustion in your body. Those of you who are caring for loved ones, especially caring for parents, there's a weariness and an exhaustion that you carry when you are caring for a loved one that compassion fatigue that builds up over time that sometimes you don't even see it coming and then it sweeps in from the side and you just feel overwhelmed by what it is to care for someone? What do we do with this reality of weariness? Paul says, 
let us not grow weary of doing good. What causes us to grow weary? I think a lot of times it's because we can't see immediate results from what we're doing. (laughs) We're so caught up in what's in front of us that we don't see those results. So what does Paul say? He says, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. How can you be faithful and not grow weary in what God has called you to do? How can you be faithful in caring for your parent who is homebound or aging? How can you be faithful when you're stuck at home? Here's the thing. Daily faithfulness to God comes from having an eternal perspective. Psalm chapter 90, teach me to number my days so that I may gain wisdom. God, remind us that if we will continue to be faithful, if we will continue to do good, if we will continue on this path, in due season, we will see the reward. And let's just be honest, in due season, may be eternity and not this life. (laughs) That, That when you are caring for an aging parent, when you are trying to be faithful to what God has called you to do, when you are trying to live out your faith at work, you may not always see those results immediately right now, but the Lord says that in due season you will reap and you will reap eternal life. Look at verse 10. Look at how he, he carries this forward another step in verse 10. Verse 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, as those times come in front of us, this is Colossians chapter 4 language, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. In John chapter 13, Jesus said that people will know that you are my disciples when you, and then let's just fill in the blank with all those things that are not true. Show up to church, wear a Christian t-shirt, put a bumper sticker on your car. We realize those are not correct, right? They will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. That as believers, the thing that we could grow weary of hold on, is one another. (laughs) That as followers of Jesus called to remain faithful to him, that the first thing we would grow weary of is being patient and kind and gentle and loving toward one another. But Paul says that's where this has to start. That we give special care, special devotion to loving and caring for one another. I love this so much, but in scripture, the people of God are identified as those who show love to one another, to the weak, and to their enemies. That God has called us to do good, especially to one another, to those who are weak and helpless, and to those who we would consider enemies and outsiders. God, let that be true of us. Let that be true of Emmaus. Let that be true of your people that we would not give up in doing good. What do you do? What do you do if you're at home and you're just exhausted? You're weary. You don't know how you're going to keep going. What do, you, what do you do if you're here in the room and you just feel this weight that will not leave you and the weight is just 20 20, 20 on one shoulder, 20 on the other shoulder, and you just feel exhausted? How do we battle weariness? Number one, remember the beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. If you feel exhausted, if you feel weary, can I just call you again to turn back to Jesus? A Jesus who is not disappointed in you, a Jesus who is not asking you to do more to prove your worth to him, a Jesus who is gentle and kind and patient and loves you with a love that goes beyond anything you could ever imagine. Come to him when you are weary and exhausted. Number two, here's the second thing, second way you battle weariness. Stay connected to the church. In moments of weariness, especially life weariness, one of the first things we can do is back away from the church because it just feels like another piece that's on our plate, and if we could just take something off our plate, it would help everything, and before we know it, that's the piece we've taken off our plate. Hebrews 10, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How do you not grow weary in doing good? By not, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How do we keep going? We keep going together as the people of God. And then finally, here's the third thing, and this kind of wraps up everything we've been talking about. An eternal perspective with daily faithfulness. What is God calling us to today? He is calling us to come to Christ, to be devoted to one another, and to show daily faithfulness with an eternal perspective. That Christianity is a long obedience in the same direction. We just keep going and going and going, following after our Savior who gave his life for us. Here in just a minute, I want to pray a prayer of blessing and hope over our lives because, friends, I am worried about this exhaustion problem. <laughs> I, I'm probably worried because I know how deeply I feel it, and I'm partly worried because I see you and I see what you're going through and I know what you're facing this year but we are not going to give up. And we are not going to back down for what God has called us to do. And I wanna be able to pray over you. And I wanna be able to pray over you with the hope of Isaiah chapter 40, where God says, to whom will you compare me, says the Holy One, and who is my equal? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the stars one by one and calls them by name. Because of his great power and mighty love, not one of them is missing. So why do you complain, O Jacob? And why do you say, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He does not grow tired and weary. His understanding who can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wing like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Father, we thank you for the hope of your word. God, we are a people together this morning who admit that we are so often weary and exhausted. Sometimes we're weary and exhausted because we're carrying burdens that we were never meant to carry. 
And God, we are called to cast all of our anxiety on you because you care for us. You simply call us to come to Jesus who gave his life for us so that we would have eternal life, eternal hope. God, I pray for our church. God, I pray for people who are caring for loved ones and parents. God, I pray for people who are at home, not able to get out the way they want to. God, I pray for people who this year, it just seems like one piece of bad news after another. God, give us an eternal perspective. Let us be devoted to one another. And God, remind us that what we see now is not the end of the story. And Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.